Do you love decorating your home with your personality and showing people who you are as soon as they enter the room? But maybe it's just so difficult to find what you were looking for. Maybe some Pokemon card coasters. Or maybe even some Totoro miniature vases. Hell, maybe even a Star Wars Rebel logo canvas for your wall. Well, luckily for you, us over here at Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks have teamed up with Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T to give you what you've been looking for. Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T has opened up her Etsy shop where you can decorate your home and yourself with your favorite nerdum, from anime to Disney animations or even mythical creatures. If you are looking for it, Tiny T from Nerdy Crafts has got it. You can find Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T by searching Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T on Facebook and Etsy or by clicking the links provided to you on the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks podcast page. Also, make sure you use the code LEVELINGUP at checkout to save yourself 10% off your purchase. That's code LEVELINGUP at checkout to save yourself 10% off. Decorate your home with Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T today. Hey, what's up, everybody? You are listening to a brand new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks with me, your hero, Benjamin Banks. And joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Rebellious D and Trav. How are you fellas doing today? Always. You remember that. Ready to go. Whatever it takes. Remember that, always. Whatever it takes. <laughs> That's what she says. D, 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 did you know? <laughs> did, did you know? Did you know, D? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, he knew. Hey, guys, it's always good seeing you fellas, and I'm happy that uh, everybody's doing all right today. It is another Tuesday here on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, and we have a brand new episode for you. Thank you, everybody that checks us out every week, and thank you, everybody that watches our stuff on YouTube. So on today's episode, we have an illustrator who, Trav, he slid into his DMs, and Trav, I appreciate you sliding into people's DMs. Only if D would start sliding in the DMs, then we were all on the same page. I don't know. I think we're on the same page, Playboy. Yes, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Oh, I think we're on the same page. <laughs> I said, hey, look, I told D earlier, I said, uh, I said, man, you sliding into people's DMs, and they just like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and, and he lets them know that's lowercase r, capital D. Nah, Capital I'm, D I'm underscore. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Trav he slid into an illustrator's DMs, and that is Mr. Chris Grind. Right. And Trav he slid in, you slid into his DMs after you had read the Animorphs uh, graphic novel. novel. And I'm pumped, bro. I can't believe we landed him. I didn't. I didn't uh-huh. think he was gonna come on. We got him. Hey, that's that's Secure. what we always think. What do I always say? They either gonna say yes, they gonna say no, or they not gonna say anything at all. So I'm happy that he responded and uh, let's go ahead and give Chris a call. But before we do this interview, here's a word from our sponsors. Golden Eat Tattoo. You can find them at 3109 Airline Boulevard, Portsmouth, Virginia for all your nerd related tattoos. Leading the area, that is Miss Denise and her team. If you call over there and you mention leveling up banks, you get 10% off your tattoo. That number is going to be 757-465-1010. Call them today. Hey, how you doing, Chris? Good. How are you guys? Hey, hey what's going, going on, on brother? Fine. If I look tired, it's just because it's been a long day. Yeah, we hey, hear that. Hey, it's all right. I'm always tired when we do these things. Yeah. So all welcome right. to the Man. welcome to the club. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. So Chris, we do that with every guest that we bring up here. 
And that is, what is your origin story? Let everybody know that is watching and listening who Chris Grine is. Okay, so like origin story, like getting into comics, Chris Grine, or just me in general? You in general. We you in general. Comics now. Me yeah, in man. general. I don't know. It's uh, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, in Missouri, uh, and let's see, I went to... Uh, Kansas City Art Institute for college. I ended up uh, transferring before I graduated there down to Ringling for two two years, where I ended up graduating. Um, I worked for from there. I went. I worked at a Hallmark greeting cards for about fifteen years, designing the cards and some of the shoebox and other humory type stuff. Maybe some of the cute little critters and stuff you might see on some of the cards, like you know, grandparents into the grandkids and stuff. But uh, while I was while I was working at Hallmark, I was able to uh, kind of try my hand at getting into comics a little bit since I had kind of a, you know, a, a full-time job, you know, with benefits. So I could, I could afford to, you know, try it. Cause honest, honestly, comics is scary. It's mm -hmm. scary. And, uh, it just takes a lot of work to get into too, is what I kind of, I learned early on and lots of the going to conventions and stuff, you know, I was like, that was so important. But anyway, I'm getting off, getting off topic. So I, uh, had like one foot in one foot out of comics for about 10 years while I was at Hallmark. And then, uh, then I was able to make the decision. I got to the point where I was like, you know, stay at Hallmark or, you know, do I want to, you know, really focus on this. And luckily I'm married to a wonderful woman who allowed me to do something crazy and, and try that out. And it seems like it's worked out pretty well so far. Nice. Definitely has. Nice. Damn right. I'd still be sleeping under a bridge though. If, uh, if it wasn't for her, I mean, I got I got some books and credits and stuff to my name at this point, but it's it's still really hard to. Yep. Yeah. Support. Well, you need round of support. applause to the wife. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Chris, give give her a shout out, man. Absolutely. Well, I try to as much as I can. Uh, she's been. Uh, I don't know if you guys have you follow me on Twitter or whatever. Uh, she's been posting some uh, kind of plush anamorph type. An oh, I didn't Andalite. know that was your wife. Yeah, that's my wife. She she does nice. it on the side, but she does other other like plush mm -hmm. toys and stuff. And I was like, you know, what would be cool? And, mm -hmm. and as soon as she posts those, they're gone immediately. So but yeah, nice. So it's, nice. Damn. So nice. It's been kind of fun to work with her on that a little bit too. So. Oh yeah, I bet. Little collab. Uh, your first project that you had worked on, Chicken Hair, Fire in the Hole, which came out in 2008. Uh, what was the inspiration behind you getting into that and then coming up with the character and all of that other good stuff? Uh, well, honestly, since that was okay, it was actually the fire in the hole was actually the second book. Uh, mm. The first one was just called the house of Klaus. They both came mm. out within like a year and a half of each other or something at dark horse, just the mm. black and white versions. And honestly, the, uh, I don't know what I was thinking with that. <laughs> the way it started was, and I actually was uh, looking through some old files and there was a time when I would, while I worked at Hallmark that, you know, uh, they would do like free uh, training, like software, computer software. And at the time they're, you know, Photoshop, Illustrator, whatever. And I don't know if you guys have used Illustrator, but it's it can be kind of daunting. It's just, it seems very counterintuitive, especially mm -hmm. if you've gotten really used to Photoshop. So we had a class where I could, and I, I promise you I'll, I'll get to <laughs> get to this pretty quick here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, no I was trying I was trying to learn Illustrator so I'd be a little bit more, you know, productive and useful right. at, at work and everything. And so what I did was I gave myself a kind of a task at the time where I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to just create at home, like on my own, like a comic comic book maybe but done completely in vectors so just illustrator uh type art and uh and so and it was chicken hair it was the very first chicken hair and it was it was wild it was super cute and wildly violent so mm -hmm. that was too 
but like a kind of like a Looney Tunes style violin. It wasn't like grotesque or anything, but so right. I sent that out. That was the first thing I'd ever done. So I, I got online. I didn't know what I was doing. I went online to all the publishers like Image and Oni, or I don't know if Oni was around, but like uh, at the time it was like Top Shelf and a couple of these other places that were like uh, creator owned uh, publishers. And so I, and they had submission buttons that I don't even know if they do anymore, where it gives you a list of what they want. So I, here I am at Hallmark over the weekend, like printing like 30 copies of this book on their color printers. I probably shouldn't be saying that. Hey, shout out to Hallmark. <laughs> but, uh, Hallmark, hey, it's too late now. It's out there. It's, out it's there. all good. I think I've said it before. But um, so then I, so I sent, I just mailed those off. And uh, within like a week, I had emails from pretty much everybody saying, no, absolutely not. This look, you know, we really like what you did here, whatever, but it's not going to work for what we're trying to do. And and that was fine with me. It was like, okay, well, I actually got responses. Like it would have been way worse if I'd waited and waited and waited, never heard back. Yeah. Uh, and then I found out that uh, that's nobody, nobody really submits stuff like that. Um, they can't even figure out how anybody saw my project. So in retrospect, I mean, I was doing everything kind of backwards. Uh, mm. At the time, I didn't know any comic book creators. I had no like peers in the, in this or anything. I was just completely on my own. And uh and then about six months later, I was contacted by Dark Horse again. They were kind of following up. Uh, like, hey, we kind of like what you did. It wasn't for what it wasn't what we were looking for, but we were wondering if you had any other ideas or if you had anything else you were working on. And luckily, I had been uh, I had taken a lot of the the advice that I'd gotten from all these other publishers, and I was just kind of reworking it, you know, and seeing where I, seeing where I could go with it. And that became kind of ultimately what became the Chicken Hair book, a black and white kind of a, you know. A little bit like Bone, you know, no color. I, I love just yeah. straight black and white comics. I know mm-hmm. anymore those really don't sell because kids want color. Everybody wants color. But man, you find a really nicely illustrated just black and white with really nice dark blacks and stuff in there for shadows. It's I love that so much. So that was kind of what I was trying to emulate a little bit. With that, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that about uh, kids not wanting colors and whatnot because it's not too often that you see like a lot of uh, American what Western comics that are in black and white. That's more traditionally something that you would see with manga yeah. um, over in Japan and whatnot. So I always feel like it's very interesting when you see a Western comic or graphic novel that's just straight black and white. Um, I will say with the image that I see for Chicken Hair, when I saw his appearance, like it reminded me, I don't know if you remember these uh, toys, but Taco Bell, they used to have these toys where it's like they were animals and you could switch the body parts and it's like you could make like a mm-hmm. alligator slash elephant. And I asked Dee and Trav if they remember this and this is showing my age. By any chance, do you remember these toys from Taco Bell? No, and I don't, I don't know if it's showing your age if nobody knows what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think you're in the clear. Because <laughs> I think I'm a, probably a lot older than you guys. So. <laughs> I just Because remember like... uh you know, like a lot of uh, fast food chains back in the day, unless you were Burger King or McDonald's, you really didn't have like really cool, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like really cool toys. toys that you could give out. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Taco Bell and even like places like Chick-fil-A. Like they I mean, I had, like, Chick-fil-A these... hit you with that book. So Yeah, yeah. Chick-fil-A <laughs> would give you the books. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I don't even remember if Wendy's even had toys. I, I, I don't even remember if they did or not. I, you know, I don't remember either. They must not have. But yeah, I do remember like even Sonic's got kind of like lame 
Here you can here's the bag that your food comes in, but there's like like dotted lines for you to cut out the yep, character yep. on the greasy bag. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Not well, I don't yeah. know if that's anymore, but they had that at one point and I was like, yeah. yeah. But Chick-fil-A still does it too. Yep. Do that same Chick-fil-A, kind of do they still give yeah. out books? Yeah, well, yeah. And but take yeah. cassettes. You know, being <laughs> take be, being a father of two girls, you could trade in the book for a little ice cream. So your oh, boy trades in really? the book and gets a little ice cream. Yeah, a little Damn. tidbit uh, for a lot of people don't know that. Oh, thanks, yeah, trial. You, you can trade in the book, get you a little ice cream. That's neat. That's valuable. Yeah, I, ne- yeah, I never knew that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. Cheat <laughs> but, but no, Go go, ahead, going back to the black and white comics, you know, because I have the um, the Mirage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I got those um, too, yeah. Yeah, where they're just in black and white, you know, before they started doing color. Now, and, um, go ahead, Trav. Some of that I want to stuff, piggyback. Yeah, yeah, some of that stuff is just... I personally do prefer color, especially now with the way they do comics. But back, you know, 20 years ago, most comics were, like, really boxed in with how yeah. they did it versus now where it's not so linear with the comics you know there's a Mm -hmm. lot of coming out of the boxes and sometimes there's a two boxes and the whole background is a scene and stuff like that so it gets real interesting now um i just wanted to piggyback uh sin city the comics or graphic novels are those black and white i believe they are i think they are yeah i would because i was i was just thinking yeah that's what i was asking about um it was interesting that y'all brought up black and white being used in graphic novels or comics. And I would just imagine that that would be black and white, just because even the color that they use in the movies is very limited mm-hmm. and selective. So, yep. And I feel like maybe about, and I, and I may be completely off base with this. Yeah. I feel like huh? back when I was, when I was kind of getting into this and when I was into the, I was never really into the Marvel DC kind of superhero. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed them, but that's never what I wanted to, to do. And it feels like at the time, at least a lot of the indie stuff and a lot of the, uh, creator owned stuff was black and white like there was just right. like, that yep. was that was kind of what differentiated like mm. the, the indie scene from you know you know the the bigger you know right. big three or whatever yeah the commercial stuff yeah yeah if you will if you will yeah because the, the walking dead comics have always been black and white right not well not now i okay, actually i, you I actually have a couple of those in my car i'm gonna look when we finish it's yeah, been a while uh, since I've messed with them, but yeah, I think they are, they are black and white, actually. Okay. Or it may be limited color. So, Chris, I, you know, I just wanted to touch on, like, some of your artwork. Like, for the cover for Time Shifters, when I saw this, it gave me, like, Johnny Quest vibes. Mm-hmm. What were some of your inspirations to creating the designs for your artwork? You know, I don't know. Like, with Time Shifters... Um, there is just a lot of crazy characters in that. Mm-hmm. And if, if there had been the like cover, a follow-up yeah. book to that, I would have would have gotten a lot more involved with like where these guys came from. So it is, it is all grounded, even though it maybe doesn't seem that way. But when I sat down to just create characters, a lot of times I just kind of let, I, I just kind of let my imagination run for a little while until I feel like I'm, you know, kind of getting somewhere with something. Like if I know I need a, a little kid or whatever, a kid about 12 years old or whatever, then I kind of got a starting place on that, you know? Um, but like with the other characters, that's why I really have a lot of fun. You know, anything that's not a human anymore. I mean, I try to make it as as wild as I can, or something that I think is still funny, but can you know, it may be funny looking, but can still be taken seriously. Not so not too yeah. wacky, but yeah. Yeah. Uh. So going back to that, because you mentioned 
I just want to stick with time shifters for a little bit. That's fine. Um, when you what year was that when you came up with that? If you don't uh, mind me asking. Uh, for time shifters, uh, right. that came out and that came out in May 2017, and I had had the the idea kind of brewing for about a year and a half. And that's crazy because honestly, when I look at that style of you know animation that you decided to do versus the camp whatever and the animorphs Mm -hmm. um it's crazy how like vast your drawing style is i think it may just be evolving a little bit as i go um mostly because i don't have like i feel i find like when i'm working on a graphic novel especially like a and i'm sorry if i didn't mean to interrupt you if i did no 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 but no you don't have to apologize it's fine it's just me all right well (laughs) just so bad about interrupting people (laughs) but uh so like a 200 page, I think, I think time, time shifters is like 270 pages or whatever. Mm-hmm. But by the time when you start inking or even penciling, and by the time you're done penciling 270 pages, you've kind of already evolved a little bit. Right. Um, and that's easy, easier to fix than say when you've started inking and you get like two, you know, 150 pages in and you're like, oh man, I can already kind of feel myself like loosening up and, and wanting to try this a little differently, but I can't. Otherwise I'm going to have to go back and re- ink all the 150 pages right. or at least make major alterations to some pages and so um i i have had a couple people ask me like you know do i do different styles and stuff but really i just think it's an it's an, uh, a progression so when i finish one book and i roll into the next one i kind of take that and then move to the next one so i like to think that i'm you know changing and evolving as i go yeah yeah and that's always a good thing i mean because like just looking at like alien bones for example and camp whatever like just seeing the different styles like uh i get like i said with uh time shifters i got johnny quest vibes and then i can't remember which one it was that i had saw i don't remember i don't know if you remember this show called the secret saturdays that used to come on cartoon network yeah i vaguely remember that yeah yeah but it was like it was uh, i saw like some of those styles up there as well so yeah, it's like you're a really good illustrator, man. Like Pinky's up to you. Oh, thank you. I watch a lot of cartoons. And yeah, what, what are some here. of your favorites right now? Well, I love Rick and Morty, but I I love Rick and Morty. A lot of people like it. I'm not, you know, because it's just it, it is funny and the content and stuff. But I love the animation. Like I'm watching right. it. And mm-hmm. It's it's animated so beautifully. It doesn't. It looks so simple, but yeah, it's so beautifully animated. My God. And, uh, and he, there's even another show on, um, it's not on Adult Swim anymore, but you can see it on HBO Max and stuff. That Brad Neely show, uh, China, Illinois. I don't know if you guys China, know. Illinois oh, is man, so I love good. that show. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. I, it, I love that show so much, canceled? too, but that's another show that looks it super did. simple, but the animation is really well done. Yeah. yeah. Same and, with 12 yeah. Ounce Mouse, if you've ever yeah. seen 12 Ounce I wasn't a fan of 12 Ounce Mouse. I don't like I don't like watching 12 Ounce Mouse, but I mm. yeah, there's something I enjoyed about it, but just I don't go back to it constantly for somebody like me i pretty much am a fan of 99 percent of adult swim cartoons i enjoy that style of humor i do too and uh you know everybody that knows me knows i'm such a teenage mutant ninja turtle mm-hmm. like nutcase and it's so funny you brought up ricky morty because um roland had just started doing like alternative covers for the new last ronin series so it's the turtles, but they look, they're drawn in Rick and Morty style. Oh, that's awesome. And they're really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Rick and Morty is one of those shows where I feel like it's hit or miss on, depending on what episode you watch. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a show that's not for everybody. Yeah. But yeah. 
I will say that, you know, going with Time Shifters and then with Rick and Morty, uh, the one thing that hooked me onto that show was the similarities between Back to the Future and mm-hmm. how Rick is, you know, Doc, mm-hmm. Doc Brown and Morty is Marty. And like going back to Time Shifters, are you a fan of Back to the Future? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and I've, I've always wanted to do like a time travel type book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, th- and it just kind of happened. Because I, I had this idea for, for this Time Shifter book came from, I wanted to do something with a kid who would go on like these adventures with like these crazy group of characters, right? Like a scientist and, and this weird dinosaur and a robot. And, but then I got to thinking like, they can't just show up and take him because that's kidnapping. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and publishers, you know, they, they're like, nah. they, they always right. want to make sure that everything feels safe anyway. Yeah. Uh, so then I had to come up with a different way for that to happen. And then I was like, well, they can't just come get him at nighttime and maybe have him back in the, by morning because that really kind of makes it hard to do like longer type stories. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I it uh, what and then basically what happened in the in uh, Time Shifters book is uh, where I finally decided well maybe this device is like a multi multi dimensional kind of thing that can they can jump from from uh, in parallel universes in the multiverse thing but it's also time travel as well although that's pl- not played up very much until towards the end and um, but I'm I do love Back to the Future it's one of my favorite movies but I at the older I've gotten I'm a very nit nitpicky on time travel rules mm-hmm. yeah and so uh, i was trying to i was trying to keep it as honest as i could right yeah, yeah. I, I i can't remember what were we talking about and then i said like how did they do time travel a million times we were talking about we were talking about um avengers but it was it was a it was a movie that we just watched oh was it wandavision no, 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 no. This wasn't Marvel related. I don't remember what it was. I don't yeah, remember. We were just talking did, about like- they did time travel so well. Like there was no questions to me when they did it. Everything well, we just did made su- we sense. did Superman. And you know, I was like, man, you know, I really wish Endgame would uh followed this kind of thing. Cause like you said, when you're mm. dealing with time travel, there's a that's why I think you most don't people stay away like- from it. Yeah, you don't want to seem like it's broken. Yeah, you know. There's always going to be some types of problems with it. I think no matter where you do it, but and that's kind of why at the end of Time Shifters, not that it's been out long enough, so I'm not really that worried right. about spoiling it. But like, there's basically he comes back and he does he is able to save his family, he's just not able to save save it for himself. Right. You know, he's now out of time. So mm. like, that's what kind of this- allowed me to have him go on those adventures at the end. Like it didn't matter anymore because he could do what he wanted. Now, Chris, I'm real so quick. mad. Like, I'm really trying to. I think. know I can see it in your face. I'm really trying thinking. to think what yeah, we were talking was, about. I saw you looking up at the light. time travel. Now, yeah, Chris, look- <laughs> real quick, uh, with Back to the Future, do you think they portray time travel honestly? Do you think they stuck to the, at least for the first two movies? I don't really. I don't want to talk yeah, about the third, the one, third one. Is that? Yeah, let's not. Yeah. Well, the first one, I, I mean. You know. Do you like the rules that they used and the guidelines that they chose to go with? I'm way I'm way better off with the first one than the second. Yeah. The second one plays pretty fast and loose with everything, and yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so much of it was was obviously never never really thought. They never really thought about it. They just ended the first one with a cliffhanger for fun, yeah. because you know back in the '80s that sequels weren't ever really guaranteed. It wasn't really right. a, no, not really. Yeah. Occasionally no. you'd get one, but not all the time. And so they. I think they could have done a better second story, but mm-hmm. a second part. But 
you know, I like the flying okay. cars and everything, so it's all right. Yeah. Then you have to take the time yeah. period into uh, account, like when the movie was written and stuff. So, okay, cool. Man, I was about to, I was about to say something about Back this, to the Future, man. I was about to say, I think yeah. this guy is still. Yeah, he's over on. here pondering. Let it go. We because it, it it was definitely on our WandaVision review. I don't it was think definitely what it was. It was definitely, but I just can't remember. We were talking about something else that had to do with time travel. Because see, I love time travel. Like Back to the Future is one of my favorite uh, film series because of the whole time traveling aspect. And then of course, you know, you get time travel in the Terminator movies. Um, but I just always oh, felt yeah. like Back to the Future. They did it. They did it well. And I love how in Avengers Endgame, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, um, <laughs> it's like how like everybody was arguing on, you know, which time travel was the correct way of doing time travel. And I do think it was about WandaVision, but I can't remember. But uh, just moving along, I wanted to head over to Animorphs next. And, you know, I, Trav, like he really hyped this book up and I really want to get it because like he's praised it you know what i'm saying like he's giving it 10 out of 10 and growing up wow. animorphs was a big part of all of our lives mm -hmm. um i want to say i read one of the books i i didn't read it all the way through um but i just loved animorphs i loved the the fact that you had these kids it's they were kind of similar to the power rangers in a way like to kids or not kids but viewers and listeners that are watching or listening to this episode now, and if you never got into Animorphs, you really missed out because it was really cool. Like I said, the kids, they were able to turn into animals when they touched that animal and had that animal's DNA. And it was just the whole premise of it was really cool. And then it, in the 90s, later in the 90s, we ended up getting the Animorphs TV show. Now, Chris, let me ask you about the TV show before we get into the comic. How did you feel about the TV show? Well, see... Uh for me, and I mean, I, I'm not sure how old you guys are. Um, right. So I'm, I'm, I'm we're in our 30s. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm 55. Early, yeah, we're yeah, in our 30s. Early 30s, D so, is 45. Yeah. And uh, so when Animorphs were coming out and kind of really getting going, I had just, I pretty much graduated high school and right. was in college. And, you know, I was kind of a poor college student. I didn't have a TV. We didn't have any. I, so I'd, I've had to catch all this stuff basically after I got the, um, the, the job for to do the Animorphs graphic novels, the first three, um, to entertain myself while I was working, I I, uh, I bought the first couple seasons of Animorphs on iTunes just to have it on in the background. It is not good. It is no, not. not. It didn't uh, age well either. It that just didn't age out. well, oh, I think. No, yeah, it just, it's, it's I don't not. think it was great air, like while it was going on, because again, I'm like nine it wasn't. when it came it on Nickelodeon. Canceled. But I do feel like it wasn't as bad in the moment when it came out yeah, versus exactly. when you like, go back and watch it now you're like yeah not a chance holy dude. crap this yeah sucks. not a chance not i'll a say chance. i'll say it was cool when it came out because you know you saw that them transforming into the animals and whatnot but once once you actually started getting into the nitty-gritty of the show and like they it was like rated g it was a rated g show i remember like none of the yurks had weapons up there like their weapons mm. were flashlights and i'm like why are they running around with flashlights? Like, how is that supposed to hurt somebody? Yeah, um, oh. it kind of it, it was definitely a kid show. It, it, yeah, it was no goosebumps. I'll say it that. Reminded me a lot of shows. There's a lot of shows in the late '90s that were. You could tell that the producers or people who were involved with they're like, it doesn't matter if it's good. Kids will like it. They'll watch it. Who cares? Kids yep. will watch anything. Mm -hmm. And 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 it kind of smacks of that a little bit. It's not. It's not altogether terrible, but definitely feels like they they didn't really put that much thought into the story and everything they were just like trying to put as much 
thought things that adults thought kids would think were cool. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, I I do want to spend a little bit extra time on animorphs, you know, sure. in general, you know, just because for me, like, you know, for you, you said you had graduated high school already. So like you're not the demographic for this book series. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for me, you know, as like a seven-year-old kid, this was before Harry Potter came around for me. Animorphs was my book series. It went Animorphs, Harry Potter, and Pendragon for me as a kid growing up. So like Animorphs was so important. And it's out of print. It's been out of print for a long time. Yeah. You know, they did do like a 10 that had like the first five or six issues a couple years ago, but that was it. And I mean, there's like 40 Animorph books. You know what I mean? So you really don't get deep into the story kids Mm-mm. do nowadays wow. nope. so when i found i went in the barnes and noble and they i was like you know we're looking because graphic novels seem to be the thing now like they're remaking babysitters clubs as graphic novels um my girls are just all about graphic novels you know they get the five nights at freddy books on graphic novel like if they got a book or a graphic novel they're gonna choose the graphic novel and um yeah when we i was told that animorphs was out this was like in November, so it had just came out. And what October? Yeah, like like October something, like the first week of October or something. Yeah, and I just so happened to be in Barnes and Noble getting stuff, and they uh, told me that about the Animorphs graphic novel, and I picked it up, and I was like, "Girls, you got to read this book." Cause this was like my jam growing up, and uh, immediately they both loved it, loved it, awesome. And it was so cool seeing like the Visser, Visser three like drawn and he looked like you would see it sometimes on the covers from the ka applegate books but it's like they were poor pictures like poorly like taken pictures back then and like to see it animated and drawn and stuff he looked exactly like i envisioned and i just thought you did such a you know i don't want to sit here and like blow a bunch of steam up your ass or anything but i just thought you did such a great job on the characters and like Everybody looked exactly like I imagined they would look like. Thanks, man. Yeah, I was that was uh, I was a little nervous about it. <laughs> you know, I I uh, I got the gig and and I, I had been aware of Animorphs. You know, I just I had just never read it. Um, uh, I I briefly I read most of the first book at some point, but like I had gotten away from it or whatever. So mm-hmm. I always meant to get back to it, but then I never did. So when I got the gig. I, I didn't really think much about it except for like, oh yeah, I do need to make some money. Right. So I need to, you know, if I can do this job, that'd be great. And then, and then I was like, okay, I'll go on Twitter and just type in Animorphs in the search and see what happens. And I was like, I was immediately terrified because there is so many fans still, I mean, mm-hmm. very yeah. big fan base still. And so I was a little nervous with that just because of expectations for over 20 years, you know, and people have been asking for a graphic novel for a long time and I, <laughs> no pressure. There's no pressure, um, but I, I'm, I've been very happy. The The fans have been really, really welcoming and warm and everything. So I bet. yeah, I've seen nothing but great things about it from everybody. Yeah. It's always a good feeling when you come out with something and everybody loves the work and they want to see more of it. Right. And Especially like when Trav you get into a saying, fandom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, like what Trav was saying about how, you know, you drew everybody, how he imagined them. You know, sometimes it's like people, they'll come out with stuff and it's it's not what they imagine or like how we said, uh, you know, on episodes when we've had voice actors up here before where 
It's like you have these fans who they'll read a manga or they'll read a comic book. And when that character comes to screen, like they get pissed off because it doesn't sound how they thought it was going to sound. So kudos to you for making these characters and bringing them to life. Because like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories out there that fans want to see become graphic novels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like Goosebumps would be another good one where if they I can't believe they haven't stories, done it yet. Yeah, they turned those stories into graphic novels because I mean, we see we've seen like how everything is portrayed in live action with Goosebumps, like with the TV show and then with the movies, and then now with Animorphs and with what you're illustrating. So how would you feel if they took the characters that you illustrated and they used it as the basis for an Animorphs cartoon. How would, would you feel that. about that? I would love that. I mean, that'd be totally flattering. You know, I mean, it doesn't usually work that way because you get people, you get a lot of cooks in the kitchen and everybody's right. got what they want to do. But um, but that'd be amazing. I would love that. I mean, I'm, I'm actually just so enjoying so much being a part of the fandom and mm -hmm. just getting to do this. Like, I just don't take it for granted that that's right. It's so important to so many people. So I try really hard to make sure that I'm, you know, trying my hardest to to present it, you know, on the page as much as you know what what people want to see, but without without doing fan service too much too. Like I'm right, yeah. right. Just trying to, yeah. Well, Banks will tell you I'm kind of a sour puss. He is. So like I'm very hard to please. You know, he'll he tell is. you like. Nine times out of ten, if somebody comes into something, I'm kind of like, eh, it didn't quite match up. But these guys will tell you, day one, I was like, yeah, this guy hit it right on the, you know, the nail on the head or whatever. And I immediately followed you on Twitter, and I was like, we got to get this guy he on. He slid Twitter. right so in the DM. It was so spot on. That's fine. I'm I remember, yeah, because I remember when he was telling us about this, and, like, he was hyped, and yeah. he was just like, yo, like, he responded to me, so... It's always good when, like I said, when we slide in the DMs and somebody responds to us. So I wanted to ask you another Animorphs question. And this is a question that's going to go around the table for all of us, starting with you, Chris. All right. If you could choose three animals that you could turn into, which three <laughs> I should have known a question like oh. this was coming. Yeah, you knew it was coming, Trav. <laughs> I've, I've been asked a lot, like, what my, what my battle morph would be and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always things like a sloth or uh, hmm. like a... <laughs> Koala, like a drop bear kind of a thing oh. but i don't know I just, and, and most of that i think is because i have to draw these other things so much that i'm like i just want to i think it'd be really hilarious if somebody morphed into a sloth and like literally was so useless completely, oh, completely useless you know and i don't mm -hmm. know so it's, that's the kind of stuff i would lean towards though, like the sillier that's so funny because it just reminds me of Zootopia, which is yep, I what I was yeah, about yeah, it is. and you know the fact that they put him as DMV people was just over the top hilarious. But then at the end, this guy's driving the sloth's driving the convertible and he just speeds on out of there. Yeah. And that's so that's just so <laughs> funny though, just having a troll troll transformation. Yep. <laughs> troll transformation. But not nah, for me, I'm pretty standard. You know, like, I'm not going to lie. I'd probably take the Tobias Hawk, you know, and um, yeah, a, I was cheetah, that was cool. a cheetah of some sort. And then maybe like a reptile, like a lizard where I can blend in a little bit or go under the radar or something. I would definitely have to choose at least one that flies because I think, I think you'd have to do that at least once, you know. Yeah, man. Then when you're flying, that Nelly Potato song would be playing. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> 
Yo, what's good, everybody? It's me, your boy, Benjamin Banks, and I am talking about our sponsor, Duan O'Neill, who is dropping his new book, Dear Dominic, which you can get off of Amazon, where he pretty much plants a roadmap for his son, Dominic, and tells him how to get through the country as a minority. Make sure that you check his book out and go to Amazon and pick it up. You know what I really loved is about these books in general? And I'll tell you what, you fooled me saying that you didn't grow up reading them because I would have thought you did by just how spot on everything was. But I always loved about the books that you get different point of views for each book from the kid. And I love when you revealed the cover and I was like, oh yeah, so this is going to be, we're keeping it with the point of view. You know, this is probably going to be from Rachel's point of view for the most part. And I, man, I just love stuff like that. Well, like, that was something that we kind of, when I say we, I mean, like my editor and stuff. is Right. Uh, so we didn't really do that. You know, we're not really doing like a, the first person perspective because that would, right, be right. Really hard to, it would really be hard to tell a story that way in a visual form. I just right. think it would work. So like in the second book where Rachel, it's definitely from her perspective and kind of like the first book's all Jake's perspective. Right. I think, I don't know this for a fact because I haven't gone through and counted the pages, but I would guess that Jake has the lion's share of the pages. Okay. Well, at least he's at least involved with most of the scenes. Right. Well, I mean, he's the main guy. Because he was the main guy, right? Right. And the second book, I'm sure Rachel, I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, she's a cat half the book. Right. I drew about 10,000 cats. That's crazy. Jesus. <laughs> no, that's crazy. And um, how, inv- if, if you don't, you know, feel free to, you know, not answer or answer or whatever. But um, how involved was Kay Applegate? Because she... I feel like she's one. She's still 25 years later putting out bestsellers. You know, she had the yeah. one and only Ivan not too long ago, and she just put out another series that's like red hot right now for the kids in that age bracket. So 25 years she's been doing it, and she's still putting out children's bestsellers. That's impressive. So, like, how involved was she in? Um, I don't know. Like, I think they, her and her husband Michael, were involved mm-hmm. uh, selecting. Like who was going to get to do this, right? That's uh, pretty cool. Well, they had they had asked Scholastic had asked me to, hey, would you mind doing like you know seven or eight pages? You know, we'll we'll pay you to do these. We just want to see how you would do it. I didn't think much about it, right? I just thought, okay. Now, well, not to interrupt, but did they come to you because you had already done time shifters with them and stuff? So like they knew your work and thought you'd be a good match. Or? I guess yeah. Um, you know, I had had my foot in the door with them, and and uh, I guess I'm I try to be as easy to work with as I can. You know, All right. But it wasn't until after I had done those pages and everything that I found out that they had actually been auditioning many, many artists. Um, so I have a feeling they were pulling from uh, artists that they'd worked with, maybe some artists that they wanted to work with, maybe, right. you know, people who were recommended. Um, Interesting. But That's as far so, as how involved so cool. uh, uh, Catherine and her husband were, um, aside from, and I don't even know how involved they were with selecting me, mm-hmm. uh, they haven't been very involved at all. Like I, I know that they showed them like my, my penciled pages with, um, with Scholastic, like with comics, a comics publisher usually typically do like 20 pages of a graphic novel and then like, okay, good, you know, go. But right. with Scholastic, I have to pencil, sorry, I hit my microphone. I have to pencil <laughs> the entire book. So 230 pages with, with finished lettering. That's the, that's considered the first draft. Right. So it's a little daunting and, and from what I understand, like, that's what they saw. They handed that to them first after they saw, like, the character designs and all that. But that was early on. And then, and then they sent the whole book to them in that, in that state. 
and they said fine there was no notes i had zero notes from them right so, that's crazy now yeah, uh, Chris, i was scared yeah i wanted to ask you i want to piggyback um how long was the window when you sent it in you finished doing it how long did you have to wait for an answer back from them you mean what do you mean like once you insults and stuff yeah what was the uh, uh, window rough I don't, I, I don't think it was too long maybe a month and, yeah. and that was because classic has to you know they, they just internally review it all anyway they're always right. sure like the pages flow right everything's yeah. right and at some point during that process they had sent it to michael and and catherine mm-hmm. and got back to them they said they, they love it like that was my nice. notes hell yeah that made me feel better you know um because i was a little nervous about taking somebody else's baby mm. you know yeah i didn't the last thing i wanted to do was mess it up well yeah. i know that she's easy they say she's really easy to work with because she only did like the first 15 or so just her and then she kind of started letting the reins go to other people bringing in other writers to write so from what it the public eye perception is she's pretty easy going you know she's not she's not dropping the hammer on people yeah but she probably has a good idea of what she wants to you know with being experienced and doing it yeah of course i've had a few interactions with them uh we did a live event um, for like a Barnes and Noble, like the day that the book came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, we've done a couple other things and a couple emails, but they just are like the nicest people I have ever met. They are so generous and nice. And they sent, I had um, a gigantic bouquet of flowers and a, a bottle of champagne arrived on my front door. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah. They don't have to do that. Stuff. No, that was the nicest thing. All right. So cool. So, yeah, cool. so then that that makes me wonder, Banks, going back to talking about why haven't we seen Goosebumps animated like that? Maybe R.L. Stein is a little bit more protective of, you know, his baby. Probably. I mean, well, well, look at uh, like, let's go back. Let's go to the manga aspect of things. Like, look how many animes or like movie projects don't get made because the yep, artist right. is protective of their babies. You know what I'm saying? But then especially after seeing stuff like Dragon Ball Evolution and some of the other anime movies that have come out, it's like, I would think that it would not make people want their stuff to come out to the big screen. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, going back to, because Trav, I'm loving that you brought back up Goosebumps. Chris, I wanted to ask you if there were some other books that you could illustrate into graphic novels, what are some of those books that you would choose from? Well, you're talking about one of them right now with Goosebumps because- I mean, just I like I haven't read all the Goosebumps books. I've only right. read a handful of them, but just from what I know about them um, and seeing, the, I love the movies that came mm-hmm. out. I know that those are loosely based mm-hmm. on some of the stuff too. But I just love the characters so much. I love I love like the monster of the yep. week kind of a thing so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. And because I mean, you could do one book where it's all about ghosts or something, and by the Absolutely. end of that book, you might be just sick to death of drawing ghosts. But then the next one yep. is about you know. Slappy, yeah, yeah or, or slime, yeah, Weird or the sponge slime living under, yeah, the sponge, anything, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's interesting too, Chris. Like, I dabble with drawing and whatnot, I have for a long time. Um, and I think it's fun when you, you're working on just drawing something and then you get tired of it, like you said, and you get to switch, you get to tweak your art style too when you move on from monster to monster, too. So, I think that's really sweet, yeah. You can let yourself evolve, yeah, bit. man. And we can just tell you really enjoy coming up with concoctions of monsters, Mm -hmm. you know, blending and stuff like that. So uh, over here at the pod, you know, we'll we'll email Scholastic and say, look, man, this is the guy 
Yeah, he's, he's the guy. The uh-huh. He's the guy for the job. We're coining it now. <laughs> he's the guy. He's the guy. He has the magic touch. <laughs> he's got the hand. The hand. The, the uh-huh. hand. I was trying to, I was thinking the finger, but I know the know, hand. You got to have the, the hand, hand, man. Yeah, I'll go with the hand. Um, now, Banks, if you don't mind, I kind of want to segue. I like do you mind. Ju- well, I will, okay. We oh, know he minds. I won't say <laughs> no, I'm messing with you, bro. Go but ahead. no, um, you're talking about adaptions from manga to anime to the big screen. I, in Hollywood. I hope you're going where I think you're going. And now, again, I don't know what the rights are and how much involvement you have and if you have any say-so or anything to do with it. But, you know, the fact that you have um, the chicken hair movie, the animation movie coming out, Hamster of Darkness, um, can you kind of go into that about maybe how cool that is, you know, for something that started off as you randomly doodling something yeah. to going into comics and then now it's picked up and I saw the screenshots that you posted and it looks, it's not half-assed done. It looks phenomenal. No, I'm so it excited. It looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's been a long road. And I'll just kind of if I if I start boring you, you guys just kind of give me the move along, move along. Oh no, hey, <laughs> no, no. Trust me, yours. we are a bunch of nerds. Yeah, the floor and we will is yours. Up. All right, Trav, I just want to <laughs> let you know too. That's where I was about to segue into as well. So good so job. I'd say probably around 2009, um, I got approached by Dark Horse Entertainment because at the time it was still with. Was it still with them? How did that work? I don't think Scholastic was involved just yet, or maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, at, w- at one point, it was it was solely with with Dark Horse. So Dark Horse Entertainment approached me and they said, "Hey, we we uh, have a studio interested uh, in maybe optioning Chicken Hair." And I was like, "Oh, okay. I've never done anything like this." So I haven't. I had an agent who kind of handled a lot of that for me. But it it was Sony Pictures Animation um, that had optioned it or wanted to option it. And so we worked through all that. And it took about a year negotiations went on for about a year and let me tell you they're not fun i'm so happy that i had an agent that handled it because that is that is a world that i don't i don't understand everybody seems like they're trying to stab everybody else in the back Mm -hmm. uh to some extent just i just i just always i try to be as honest as i can but i could tell there was a lot of people trying to play both sides and right so anyway i was about a year of of a lot of stress and then it was, and then we, they optioned it, it was all done. And then they optioned it for 18 months. And then at the end of the 18 months, uh, they re-optioned it uh, again for another 18 months. And then after that, the, their only thing was they had to either buy it outright or let it expire. And they, they chose uh, the uh, Sony Pictures Animation at some point, like their heads of, of the departments are constantly changing there. So right. head of that. Uh, moved on somewhere else, and pretty much all the projects that w- that they were working on at that time get get you know brushed into the trash too, um, and that's kind of what happened. So it was fun while it lasted. It was about three years of kind of excitement, and then it got the book got picked up by Scholastic and published in color, and I was just happy about that. That was pretty right. cool. And then it had been, God, this has been like maybe three years ago. It hasn't been that long, but anyway. So I remember vividly. I was setting at our pizza restaurant with my family. We're just having dinner. <laughs> and I got a weird phone call. It said Dark Horse Entertainment. And I, was, I showed the phone to my wife and I was like, <laughs> what is this? Like I, it was, it had been kind of weird, you know? And um, it's like, okay. So I took the phone call and the guy's like, yeah, we, uh, we have a studio that's approached us that wants to, that wants to pick up the screenplay that Sony had already had 
they paid a guy to write this screenplay. I guess I should. Right. The guy, this guy wrote a uh, screenplay um, based on, like loosely based on my stuff. Right. It has like the character of Chicken Hair in it, and Abe the turtle, and and pretty much from there on out, it was uh, something different. Right. I as a and I you know they he, the guy wrote this thing and the whole time I was just like oh my god. But whatever, like I was kind of done doing chicken hair publishing wise at the time. Like I, I was on to time shifters and different things, right? So mm-hmm. it was, I was just happy something was happening with it. So this guy finishes the screenplay and uh, I, I'm reading this thing and going, this is not my story, but this is hilarious. No, yeah. Right. Like this is a movie I would love to go see. And I, if anybody had the right to be angry about it, it would have been me because they had changed so much of my stuff, but it was so solid. It was such a solid screenplay that I was... I was completely fine with it. And then, uh, and then of course, then it kind of all just kind of fell apart and went away. And then about three years ago, uh, I guess this other studio called InWave, it's a smaller studio uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Brussels. I think they're located in Brussels. Um, they approached uh, Sony and they just wanted to, they just bought, they wanted to buy the screenplay and just go straight to production. Right. So it was like no option period. They just wanted the, they wanted to go straight to production. So it just kind of came out of nowhere. And like a month later it was signed and done and, um, and they'd started doing whatever and it wasn't until about what two weeks ago when i posted that stuff yeah somewhere there that was the first footage i actually had an eight minute like promo reel i got to watch and that was just grabs i was doing while i was watching it it looks so good Mm. oh my god i'm so excited no and you can tell they're they spare no expense because they went and got ben stassen to direct it who i mean just did bigfoot family the queen's corgi the guy does animation movies at a high level. Yeah, it's his studio. That's InWave. Yeah, that's. Oh, his... I didn't know that was actually his yeah. studio. So the guy, not, so InWave produced those films too. Yep. And yeah, I so this ben guy knows what he's doing. He knows yeah. how to make an animation movie. Mm. And they they had written. I think most of the books or most of the movies they had done so far have been written in in house. This is the, and I may be wrong, uh, but I right, right, one of the first ones that's they've actually purchased like a screenplay. Uh, by by somebody who has actually written a lot of screenplays and stuff. Well, then that shows you how good the screenplay was for them to. It's a good screenplay. It's mm-hmm. funny. Like I was laughing out loud reading reading the screenplay several times, and it's just it's really funny. So if if all that stuff makes it in, and it looks like it has based on just what I saw, um, it's going to be pretty fun. I'm excited. Sick. Yeah, I mean it's it's cool when your projects they get animated, and like you said, like you loved everything about this because. Again, there are projects that people have created and they either get animated or they get turned into live action and then they end up coming out bad. Um, so I can't wait to check it out because like I said, when I saw the character Chicken Hair, it reminded me of the toys from my childhood and he looks like a very interesting character. So I'm looking forward to it. Is there any news on when the movie might be coming out? I think it's just 2022 and I think it's like probably early I don't know anything for sure, but I think they it would be a huge mistake for it not to come out at like Easter. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah, right. like there's always like that family film that comes out at Easter Absolutely. with a rabbit yeah. in it, and I'm just I was gonna say Peter Rabbit did it a number of years ago, and I took my girls to see it in theaters. Yeah, and Peter Rabbit, great it. movie, great movie. Yeah. Which again, loosely based on the children's Correct. book, exactly. You Correct. know what I mean? Yep. It's still a fantastic movie. Yeah, it is. Yep. So. Yeah, I, I wasn't, I didn't know what I was expecting before I watched that promo reel. I just, you know, I mean, like I said, we talked about earlier, like I'm a huge fan of animation and I'm kind of picky about, about animation because of that. And 
I, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that level of quality that I was watching. I was very taken aback. And, you know, not to, not to say that I doubted their, the right. studio's ability to do it, but I just was not, I just wasn't expecting it to look that good. So mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I was very, very happy with that. Yeah, that's good that it looked good and it came off like what you pretty much wrote because like I'm a huge JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fan and there was a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood movie that came out in 2006 in Japan and the creator, uh, he went to go see the movie on the premiere night and while the animation was really good for the movie, it represented nothing that he wrote. You know what I'm saying? The movie was so bad, like you can't even get it on DVD. It was only shown in theaters that day. And unless you were there, you were the only person that saw that, you know, nobody else would be able to see it. So that's cool that you saw it and you saw the animation and you were just like, okay, they did my creation justice and I can't wait for other people to see it. And this also brings more eyes on to you because it's just like, this is your project. This is your baby. And now it'll bring more people to want to go and check out the book. So with this being said, do you think that there will be, you know, uh, a revival for chicken hair? I don't know. I'm, I have a, a couple uh, publishers who are interested in it very because it's currently out of print. Um, right. Yep. Or uh, currently uh, looking into proposals for like at least having the first book or maybe the second book uh, back in print before the movie comes out. So now is that something that studio would have to do with Scholastic? Do no, they, no. Okay. In fact, I own the rights. The rights have reverted back to me. So okay. I can't get anywhere. I, I still retain uh publishing rights. Right. So that's 100 percent me. So I can go, so, I can do whatever. So I'm a, I'm gonna ask you this question, but I feel like I kind of already know what the answer is gonna be. If you could have <laughs> one of your other creations turned into an animated series or movie, what would it be? Time shifters. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I wanted, oh my God, I love that. The, I was so disappointed that I didn't get to do a second book and I still may get to it at some point, but the second book, I just, I had, there was so much happening in the second book that would have just really solidified the first book. Right. It would bring the villain in and he had like the most depressing, awful backstory ever. And I was so proud of it. I was just so proud of it. And, and, with all the comedy and wacky stuff going on, this guy basically ruined his own life kind of a thing. And I just, I was so excited for that. And and so ultimately, I mean, if I could ever get a chance to do Time Shifters as animated TV show, live action movie, whatever, right. I mean, I would love to be at least able to tell somebody like, this is how the whole story goes. You can use it or not, but like, this is the story. It's, it's fully thought out and everything. I just didn't get to, you know, finish it. So. Now you, you saying that, you're disappointed you didn't get to do a second one. Is that because you can't bring it to somebody else besides Scholastic? They still own the right to carry it on and do more at their well, decision? They, or? Well, the first one's still in print with Scholastic, and they've been, right. been very supportive of it. I just don't think it just didn't like blow the doors off the hinges like some right. of the you know books come out, and and that's fine. I get it. Um, so it's still in print, but they just weren't interested at least at the time of doing more. I think they were wanting to in more of a wait and see kind of a thing. So, which, which was hard for me because I like to, I like ongoing stories, whether I'm reading a book series or a, or Marvel, the MCU movies. I mean, I love the fact that they're connected and there's right. breadcrumbs and little, little Easter eggs along the way that makes sense later, you know? And yeah. so I planted a lot of that in the first time shifters book. And then I, I haven't got to pay it off, but with the, 
Camp Whatever series they got coming out. That's a guaranteed three book deal. So I'm I'm loving that. Yeah, and I'm sure we're gonna be snowballing into that Fine. here shortly. But I saw that you know you're already working on the second one. You know it's kind of ready to go. So I have to. I'm doing two graphic novels a year right now. It's nice. Oh, staying busy. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah, you know, I was I was kind of going to piggyback off of what you had just said about the Marvel stuff and WandaVision just wrapped up. Did you watch that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. What, what were your thoughts on the series overall, like from beginning to end? I loved it. I mean, the first couple episodes were weird and I was I was like, OK, well, I'm sure I trust Marvel. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm some, I know a lot of people are very picky about some of the Marvel movies, but I'm one of those people who can just go and I just love them. Yeah, I trust yeah, them as well. That's how I feel about them. You know, it's like reading comic book series. Like, there's going to be some weak, there's going to be some weak, you know, yep. issues issues yep. of it or story arcs that you don't like, but they're still going to be part of the ongoing. You don't hate the character just because it, with the story wasn't great. So Absolutely. I, I just, I can just go and enjoy them. And that's just, I just love series and ongoing things. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I aspire to be able to do. Now, Chris, I want to ask you a question while we're here, where I got you on Marvel. Do you have a favorite hero and a favorite villain? Not necessarily. We're going comic book. You don't have to pick from the the cinematic stuff. I'd almost have to because I don't read. Yeah. Comics. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Who Who's your I'm, favorite throughout cool. the movies? Oh man, you know, God, I don't know. Um, that's a tough question because I like them all so much yeah. for completely different reasons. You know. Yep. Right. Yeah. You team Cap or you team Tony? Oh <laughs> God, see that's tough too. But I guess probably <laughs> team Tony. Yeah, I was I about to like say, dude, so much better. I just. You know, but I mean, the Thor, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of Thor until, until uh, Ragnarok, honestly. Yep. And then, that's how it is for a lot of people. Taika Waititi, I mean, he, he turned that character around. He did. And it is, I can watch that movie a million times and it, I love it so much. <laughs> it's so good. So, I mean, maybe it's Thor now. I don't know. I like <laughs> Doctor Strange too. Oh, I mean, he's so sweet. Uh, I'm always a bigger fan of the characters who haven't been fully explored because there's so much for me to, enjoy right. yeah they don't know yeah. what's coming and characters like dr strange i've never really read anything yep. so everything that Same. happens whether the fans who are hardcore fans and know everything about him who mm-hmm. may be disappointed but it's all new to me and i'm just happy with it so yeah Absolutely. like me in particular i was never a fan of like thor growing up i didn't know much about him um the hulk i knew he broke a lot of stuff up but when they brought it to light in their movies I think I, I gained more of an interest to go look him up, you know, and do some backstory, exactly. you know, but before that it was like, eh, okay. So yeah, but see, like very fun. That's that's what I feel is gonna happen once chicken hair comes out, where mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, maybe it's like some kid will watch this movie and be like, I want to learn more about this character, and then they can go back and look up the books. And that's what I feel is one of the beautiful things about animation or video games or or movies, like the MCU, for example. It's just like you see these characters on screen and you want to go and learn the the history because they've been around for so long. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Absolutely. there's a lot of backstory there for those characters. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you made those choices. Uh, you didn't say a villain, though. You said a hero. What, who's your favorite villain? I'm going to have to say Loki, but it's not just because he's a cool character. I mean, Marvel studios has done an unbelievable job of casting i mean wouldn't you agree i mean just they they cast the most charming people and just about it's really hard to hate even the villains yeah i don't know josh brolin did pretty good as thanos too though yeah i mean that's something that i talk about too with these guys is the fact it's marvel's casting that they it's they need a pat on the back 
because yeah. these people aren't necessarily big names or anything, but they fit the role so well. So yeah. honestly, yeah. for me, mm-hmm. I don't even think it's Marvel with the casting. Yeah. I think the fact that they cast the directors and the people to put in place, of course, that yeah. make such great mm-hmm. decisions. Again, like they Kevin Feige was not feeling Batista as Drax. He was like, I don't see it. I don't see this guy as being a star. And James Root told him, dude, this guy's a star. Yeah. And when Kevin Feige saw the movie at the premiere, James Root said he looked at him and said, you're absolutely right. Yep. He, this I can't even star. imagine somebody else playing Drax. No, you can't. No. It'd be weird yeah. now. Yep. And going back to the villains, too, Red uh, Red Skull was pretty awesome, too. I was right, yeah. Classic yeah. villain. Yeah, that Hugo Plus. Weaving did come back and do it but i guess i was i was pretty satisfied with what they did with infinity war with that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely or was it in game i guess it was in game one was both but yeah yeah it was both no, technically absolutely. he's in both yeah. movies yeah yeah because they go so, uh, Trav, i know you said that you wanted to hop on to secrets of camp whatever you can go yeah, and- i definitely want to talk about it you know before we wrap up um secrets of camp whatever it's your new series coming out um i know zoe who's my oldest she's really looking forward to it we pre-ordered it already from Barnes and Noble. Um, it comes out March 16th. Um, by the time this airs, it'll already be out. So if you do not have Secrets of Camp, whatever, please place in your order. You know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, chickenhair.com, wherever you can get it. We'll you know, include, order, we'll order include the, the link uh, in the video for this. But here's, the cool thing is that I thought was cool was that um, it's published by Oni, who does Scott Pilgrim, who... Um, that I don't know if you've seen our logo, but our characters are based off of Scott Pilgrim. It's like us in the Scott Pilgrim universe. So we kind of got that connection there, you know, as far as uh, all that stuff goes. But I'm really excited about the series. Um, if you just kind of want to explain to the listeners and the viewers exactly what is Secrets of Camp Whatever. I believe the first one's called The Door of Nowhere. No, that's uh, the first one's called Secrets of Camp Whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. The second Actually, one. The second one's going to be called The Doors to Nowhere. Okay. But uh, so <clears throat> I had written, I had this idea, and I'm just going to back up a little bit. Like, I really wanted to do something with like monsters and cryptids. And mm-hmm. I just always love, you know, folklore and stuff like that and magic, like movies like like Legend or even oh Spy- Spider Wit Chronicles. A, and such an underrated movie. I got Legend on like Blu ray 25th anniversary DVD and it's so good. Oh, it is. I just love, and you know what? My favorite scenes from like that movie is when when like Lily is running through the through the field and you can just see all the just kind of like dust or whatever crap that's floating around in the air but it just yep. looks magical you yeah. know and but they don't really take time to explain it it's just part of that world you know and that was that's something I've always wanted to do and I thought um, the Harry Potter movies do a really good job of that too um, where there's just people cooking in the background with magic and like there's n- absolutely no attention brought to it it's just that's just part of the world mm-hmm. and uh, that was something I was really wanting to do with this type these type of characters but I didn't know I didn't really know what I was going to, what would the hook was, you know? So for right. the longest time, I knew what kind of characters I wanted to uh, write and stuff, but I didn't know what the story was. And then I had a different, a completely different pitch about a summer camp thing that kind of went nowhere. And then, and then it occurred to me that I was like, uh, this is actually the same story. Both of these connect like puzzle pieces. And I hadn't even realized that. And so that's kind of where the story came from because, uh, so I had this this backstory that I get into a little bit in the first book, but basically the the general idea is that 
like a hundred years ago, there was like a guy and kind of in the vein of, I hate to say Indiana Jones or whatever, because he wasn't that, not that kind of an adventurer, but kind of a world traveler uh, back before that was a thing, right? He just like a Nathan Drake. Independently wealthy guy. Right. And so, and he was going around the world looking for these types of creatures and he was looking for them for, he, he says he's looking for them to bring them back to this one location so he could protect them from like the, the, the world as it as is expanding with the humans and stuff, you know, to kind of keep them safe. And he has, ulterior motives for doing that too but so basically he brings them all to this island that's completely shrouded in fog almost year round you can barely see this thing and uh so if you imagine it's like off the coast of maine or something you know just right extremely foggy and uh the whole town they call it the town's like nowhere because basically you can't even see when you're in the town maybe people like didn't even know the town was there for a long time mm -hmm. uh, because of the fog and same thing with the island and uh so I said, okay, so like a hundred years ago, this guy had done all this stuff on this island. And then time goes on and people have forgotten. And then some very smart person, sarcastically, decided to build a kid's summer camp over on this island just across the bay, you know? Because that'd be a fun place. There's a forest and the kids can do crafts. But it's like they're completely surrounded by vampires and gnomes and Bigfoot and all kinds of crazy things. And most of them are very gentle and happy uh, creatures, but there's a lot of things going on. And uh, there's just a lot of mystery going on in, in the, uh, in the book. And um, one of the, I, I don't know if I'm doing a great job of explaining this. That's kind of like where it came from, but mm -mm. I'm not a big fan of summer camp. I don't know if you guys ever went to summer camp. Yeah. Got I, got, I went one yeah. time and I hated it. <laughs> yeah. Summer camp wasn't like, I know summer camp was hot in the eighties and stuff like that. But by the time I was growing up, nobody really sent their kids to summer camp too often anymore. Nah, bro. Like, well, for years, I had these friends who would go to this one mm -hmm. summer camp, and I was the only one left at home during the summer for like a week. I had no friends to hang out with, nothing to do. So one year, they invited me to go with them, and I was like, okay, that's better than sitting home by myself, right? At least I can hang out with you guys. So I get there, and I immediately, I was like, oh, this is a huge mistake. This is a huge <laughs> mistake. I'd rather just be home, you know, playing or, or drawing or watching TV or whatever. I do not, I'm not enjoying this. So uh I spent like the whole first day, day and a half acting like I was sick. So I could just lay in my bed in the, in the, in the cabin and do nothing. Like I just was not participating. I was terrible. And uh, these poor counselors were trying to get me involved and looking back now, I feel really bad. They did as they were doing as much as I could, but anyway, so I kind of brought that kind of thought process to the main character of, of Seekers of Camp, whatever. She does not want to go there and she gets there. And the first thing she does is skip out on everything and hide in bed and sleep sleep the day away until people come looking for her too. And um, she ends up just kind of getting pulled into a mystery and they end up doing pretty much everything but camp related activities. Right. <laughs> out at night and like the fog is so thick, you can barely see in it, you know, and they're sneaking around in the woods at night and they shouldn't be doing that. And uh, they think that the camp cook looks like a vampire. And I make sure to always make sure she's, it's ambiguous. It's like, is she, I don't know. Like she's right. always in the shadows. And she doesn't, there's a big sign that says no garlic when she's cooking, you know, none of that. And um, so I just tried to have as much going on as I could. And it's a fairly self-contained story, even though it's a three book series, um, yeah. just has like an ongoing story that you right. kind of get to touch on. Those books. You I know what I love I... though? Hold on. You know what I love is how you said it, it's a lot like Maine. Stephen King has just put it in our minds that Maine is creepy. Yeah, because everything's <laughs> creepy is in Maine in his book. All in Maine. Yeah, and I kind of picture the town as a little bit like, and I know I know the Goonies towns in uh, Oregon. Right, yeah. yeah. But I kind of pictured that town. I was pulling up a lot of images of 
of, of towns like that with like the really, you know, steep hills and stuff and the houses just kind of built up along the, the hills and stuff. That's kind of what the town is like. And it's just full of very odd, weird people too. So I've just, I've been having a really good time with that. Thanks. I'm good. I'm good, man. <laughs> well, because I interrupted you, you know what I mean? So now, you know, I figured you could say whatever it is you were going to say. Okay. Now I was just making sure. I was just going to say when I was younger and when I was going to summer camp, uh, it was this camp in Maryland, Camp Brown. That's what it was called. And my mom, she sent me and my brother up there to get us out of the house so that way that she could enjoy a week here in Virginia. And it was one of the worst experiences ever. Like, I remember... Uh, I got blamed for for stealing a girl's underwear that I had nothing <laughs> to do with. There was a camp monster at the camp as well. And they scared me so bad that uh, we didn't even stay an entire week there. Like, I was ready to go that Thursday. <laughs> um, I had made enemies there. Like, I want to say, like, it was, like, one of the worst. <laughs> he said I made enemies. <laughs> I made wow, enemies at this camp. Like, it, it was just so crazy. Um this was the first time that I had drank milk because growing up, I didn't drink milk. And like, they was just like, either you're going to drink milk or you're going to drink water. Milk. Like they didn't have any water. So I was just like, man, well, I guess I got to drink milk for lunch. And then I ended up enjoying milk. So um, yeah, <laughs> it was the worst. How, old are, How old are you at this time, dude? How old? Huh? How old are you at this time? Uh, when did the Mr. Big song come out? I don't even know, I don't what, that know what that is. The, the, uh, um, R. Kelly and the Isley Brothers, Ronald Isley. Dude, that was like 94, 95. No, it was not in the 90s, bro. It was like the early the early 2000s. Dude, you didn't have milk till you were like 11, 12? Yeah. No, no. I said drinking milk. Like, I wasn't a fan of drinking milk when I was younger. So I it's like, if, <laughs> like. It's, 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 it's weird, like, how there are some people that don't like mayonnaise. Like, I don't like mayonnaise. And then there are some people that don't like butter. Like, it's just one of those things. Yes. I've never met nobody that don't like butter. My brother doesn't <laughs> like butter. <laughs> yeah, you had a way worse experience yeah, than I did. Wow. It was horrible, <laughs> man. Like, I, like somebody stole my Sound, money. Chris, it sounds like he um, should be writing a book, right? I don't know, man. <laughs> I feel like he brought it all on himself and stole left underwear. I was gonna say, I hope you got some inspiration. Yeah. Good <laughs> Maybe you could create like a milk monster or uh -huh. something. Yeah, it was, it was, uh. it was very crazy. But um, I would never. If I ever have kids, I would never send them to the summer camp. Like I wouldn't do that. And yeah. it's so funny because heavyweights. If you've ever seen heavyweights, anybody, that was fun. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. They it's make like, it. This summer really camp's awesome. Yeah, yeah, right. Summer camp's really not that great. I, I would assume that summer camp, like you were saying, Trav, like it was fun in the 80s. But it, but at the same time, too, it was probably scary because of Jason. Jason. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not going to catch me kumbaya. I wouldn't do it. Not if they have a lake. What kind of monster? What kind of monster was it that they were telling you was there? Man, I did not remember what it was. I just know that they... They were saying that the monster, he, we were going to see this monster on Friday. That's all they kept saying. He didn't make it the Friday. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they said they said that the monster only comes out like uh, one one day of the year or something like that. So it's just like, man, I remember it. You was know, it was some guy dressed up yeah. too. It, it probably was some wearing, guy he's probably up, wearing some fake seaweed. I remember. I remember we were on a. <laughs> I want to say it was like a carriage ride or something at the camp. And like they was telling us about this monster, and like me and the girl in the carriage, like we were crying because like they was like they was making this monster seem like he was Look, worse than Jason. This, and, but 
if this guy at 30 years old will, if he's behind you at the horror walkthrough for Halloween, trust me, he's got your shirt or he's got his hand on your shoulder. You should see this man playing oh, Resident I Evil. Bet. He's screaming. <laughs> So it's it's that's just not Banks at eleven. That's Banks at thirty. <laughs> this dude is scared. <laughs> but no, but um, but moving along, Chris, I wanted to ask this question for our listeners and viewers that are watching and listening right now. What is some advice that you would give them if they wanted to get into illustration? Mm, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I could say. Um, I think for me, it's always been about just being disciplined. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to, if you want to get into comics or il- il- any kind of illustration, I mean, that's, it's a big time commitment. Um, you just have to be able to do that. Like it's not, it's, oh, there's never going to not be a giant time commitment. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how good you are or how long you've been doing it. Um, and, and I've, I've seen a lot of people who, who want to do it, but then they, they're surprised at how long it takes and they just don't have time to do it, you mm-hmm. know, or, or you get people who say they really want to be a writer. I've always wanted to be a writer. And you ask them like, well, what are you writing? And they're like, well, nothing. I'm not, I'm, I don't want, I'm afraid to, to write or well, you got to just, you got to just do it. Like if you want to be an illustrator, then start drawing, you know, or start painting yeah. or find something you enjoy. If you want to write, then write. Yeah. you don't have to show anybody your stuff for a while, but just write, you know, and, 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 and keep redoing it. If you like what you're writing, then maybe do a second draft or a third draft, or, you know, if you've, gotten that story out of your head then maybe move on to the next one and you'll you'll improve and you'll get better and you know at some point you're gonna have to share your stuff yep. with people you put know, yourself out there feedback you got to be you able to take criticism yeah and you don't want to just show it to like your mom or your dad because they're always going to be like yeah that's great good job mm-hmm. you want to show it to somebody that you trust is going to give you an uh an honest opinion i mean they don't have to be crushingly terrible to you if they <laughs> don't like it but you want someone who's going to be able to give you uh advice that you yep. can use you know, that you can, you know, take back and maybe make some changes on it and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, and also you don't have to listen to everybody's uh, comments unless you start. One thing I've always heard is like, if you hear the same same kind of comment about your work, you know, criticism, like like four from four yeah. or five different people, then maybe Consider maybe it. that's yep. something you yeah. If it's just one person saying it, then it could just be their opinion. It doesn't mean exactly. you have to scrap everything, too. You have to have right. some confidence and... um I don't know. It is scary. It's always scary. Putting yourself out there. I mean, even even with editors that I work I work with for years now, I send them a new pitch and I'm I'm terrified that they're going to get back to me and go, "Yeah, what else do you got?" And I mean, I've spent like 3 months working on this thing. Mm, yeah. So um or or in more most times a lot longer than 3 yeah. months, but maybe 3 months polishing it and getting it ready. So uh I don't know if that's really advice as much as just kind of, if you want to do it, you got to yeah. just do it. I mean, yeah. I definitely think it's advice. Experience counts as advice. I mean, mm-hmm. it always does, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Cause they say that, you know, everybody's experience is different, but at the same time, this is something that they might or may go yeah. through. So it's always the good to, you know, hear what somebody else has gone through and take, take their experience and make sure that yeah. they don't go through it or, just prepare themselves for when they have to go through it. Cause like me, for example, I'm a professional wrestler. So it's like, there's going to be times where, like you said, some, you, somebody, you might send your match to somebody and they may love it. Or you may send your match to somebody and like, they may trash it, but sometimes people will do that just so that way that you'll stop doing Mm -hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? Because they see you as competition and it's just like, well, this guy's really good. Let me, 
let me bring him down the peg so that way that he'll stop doing this. But I always say that, like I said earlier, you have to know how to take criticism because you can take that criticism and then you could skyrocket off of what that person said. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And then it backfires on them. So yeah, yeah I think that it was solid advice that you just gave. Mm-hmm. Well, it's you know, and I've had my share of very bad things too. Like the first chicken hair book, I'm seeing it on there your screen back there uh the very first chicken hair book was nominated for an eisner right mm-hmm. i'd never done anything before that so that was amazing i was so excited and i remember there was a uh i can't remember what it was like a comic book website you know where they review stuff it may have been newsarama or my right. uh, comic book resources it's been so long i don't remember but uh they did like a write-up of like you know per category there was like you know all the ones that were nominated in the uh uh, uh best graphic novel for uh what was it best title for a younger audience mm-hmm that's what it was nominated under. And uh, so this lady and her two daughters, I guess, and I don't remember her name or anything now, um, they'd been pretty well known. They reviewed a lot of the all ages stuff on this website and every, and so they were, they had a special, a special, you know, thing post that they did where they just reviewed the, the ones that had been nominated mm-hmm. for this category. And I was like, Oh, this is gonna be so exciting. Cause I was up against like some other ones that I was really, really excited just to be a part of right I didn't think I was going to win I had no delusions about that I was just excited to be there and all of them had about paragraphs worth of copy you know kind of a brief breakdown of the story and like what they liked about it or whatever and mine just chicken hair just said bought it read it and threw it in the trash right and I was like I was so crushed for about for about three months but uh then I have a lot of friends like I don't know if you guys know who Dennis Hopeless is or uh he writes more he's a marvel writer and he's done some some uh he did like x-men year one and he does a lot of mm-hmm. uh, uh anyway it doesn't matter he's kind of a smart ass i'm good friends with him but right years now anytime i have a new book coming out he'll come over and he'll be like i need to get two of them so i can throw i can keep one and throw one in the trash and it's, be- <laughs> it's, it's kind of become a thing where it's a joke yeah. now yeah, it's a joke it now. Me, but you do have to have a thick skin when it comes to this stuff too because there's going to be people who just hate your yeah. art or hate your right and, and it, there's nothing it's pointless to mm-hmm. argue it's not it's just a it's just an opinion and uh one thing i have i have learned i think it was a couple of years ago somebody had mentioned it and i have i've i live by this rule now like if you read your reviews which you shouldn't uh-huh. if you're gonna believe the good ones you have to believe the bad ones yep. Yep. and so i just don't read reviews anymore i just don't because the good ones make me feel great, but the bad ones make me yeah. feel terrible. Yep. Right. How hard is that to do, to not read them? It's difficult. It sounds very difficult. Yeah. It's difficult, but I've just, I've actually been much happier person as a result of it. Like people mm-hmm. will reach out to me on Twitter and say, hey man, that was great. I loved it. And that's good enough for me. Like, I don't need to read somebody tear the whole story down, like between what they liked and what they yeah. didn't like and whatever. It's just, yeah. I mean, everybody. Some people, yeah, thing. some people will trash your stuff. Like I said, just yeah. to do it. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, they feel like that's how they get as well. Yeah, I mean, and right, that's yeah. like I, I, like I said, I dabble with drawing and things. I have a bunch of sketchbooks, and just growing up and doing it in school and not, you know, making any profit off of it. I can only imagine how you feel sometimes with being, you know, criticized and judged. And like you said, it is, damn, it was, it was scary to show my friends in school. So I can only imagine how you feel sending stuff to editors. So kudos to I you. I always supported you. Hey, no, qu- oh. hey, no question. This guy. Wakanda forever, I did. He, he would show me his stuff. He would show me his stuff all the time when yeah, we were growing and it's up. Just, and... um, it's very fun getting an interview with you, Chris, just being an illustrator and seeing your experience is how you, you know, handle it and your thoughts on it. So. 
that's all and that's also good too for you because i know that you're working on a project as well so yes it's a little something not like your level chris but it's a little something Uh, no i've been doing it for a while so (laughs) yeah um but i got i was gonna say something but uh Oh, well, that, that, that was part of why I was so, another reason why I was so, I was so scared when the first Animorphs book came out. I mean, when it was finally announced, the fans were so excited and mm-hmm. it was just, everybody was so happy. And then as it got closer to like October, I started getting really nervous. Yeah. It was like, yeah, they've only seen like 20 pages of this, you know, and it's a 230 page book. And man, oh my God, I really hope I, I didn't, I don't, uh, you know, mess it up too badly for anybody or whatever. Yeah. You got that and fandom like the, and all that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I that's bet. way worse than just showing an editor when you're talking about hardcore fans. Oh, who, yeah. I can only imagine, who, man. Woo. Yeah, I was, I was nervous. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're, look, you're, you're talking to, <laughs> uh, you know, a pretty big Animorphs fan, <laughs> and um, I loved it. So, and mm-hmm. my kids, they got introduced to it, you know, by your illustrations, and they loved it, too awesome so i'm i'm pretty confident i think that i think people are gonna like the second one even more because i really feel like i uh like when i was adapting the first one and i don't want to i don't know how long you guys got i mean i'm i tend to ramble so you guys oh no you're fine man but we're always worried about keeping the other person too long more so than i'm fine i've been looking forward to this all day i love talking shop oh so uh so the first book i was like I was adapting it and they, I was afraid like at any minute I was going to show them and they were going to be like, yeah, you can't, we can't do this scene or you're going to have to cut that or you're going to have to, cause um, I try to stay as true to it as I could. Right. And, yeah, no, and there's, some, on. there's some body horror and like, there's a scene where like Tobias swoops down and like mm-hmm. takes that one Horkwajir's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And rips them out. I was like, well, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to just draw it. And then if, if Scholastic comes back and they're like, this is too much, um, then whatever right exactly uh, they, but they never did they never yeah. did back. and, and I think i'm it's probably I'm glad. because they, i've always been one of those type of people to live off of it's just like it's better to do something and then ask for forgiveness than ask to, can you do it and then they say no and then you do it anyway because well, that don't apply to everything get in trouble sure <laughs> <laughs> where are you going with this but put, put, put that out there for <laughs> the kids listening that don't apply to everything yeah don't apply to everything but you know what i mean <laughs> i do I, I get what you're saying it's, um, yeah it was it was uh it was interesting doing that so I, I i had a good time but but i guess to get to my point like and i i added like some some of my own jokes in the first book I, lo- I love making jokes and stuff. So I took as many opportunities as I could to put my own kind of humor in there and, and change some of the dialogue just a little bit. But in the second book, I felt a little bit more confident with that. And I'm not saying that I took any major swings with changing, adapting anything, but I, I just felt a little bit more confident to uh, kind of put my, my own kind of style of writing in there when it came to dialogue or when it came to uh, just jokes in general and stuff. So I think the second one will be a lot funnier just in general, but it'll also be it's such an emotionally oh my god it's a it's an emotionally exhausting book just because of the, right. the subject matter yeah. stuff. and i'm mm-hmm. I'm really excited to people to see that part because i on those scenes like i don't know how well you guys remember the book and everything but like and i'm not going to get too involved because i don't want to spoil anything but like there's this scene at the end with chapman when he's in at the construction site and he's facing viscer three and 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 he's speaking to him like his host lets right him, yep he's a mess and I really did that as true to that scene as I could. I mean, there's like, it's awful. I, it was the, de- I'm so really funny happy. Because, you know, um, 
spoiler alert for anybody, really. The big thing about Tobias is the big rule is you can't stay in that form more than uh, two hours, I believe it is. And if you do, you're stuck at that. And, you know, towards the end of the book, you know, Zoe's coming up to me because she's not an avid reader, but I make her read for 30 minutes a day. So, you know, pretty much when that 30 minutes is up, she's done. You know, she's ready to go off and do whatever. But she's she's got that anxiety going. Tobias is cutting it close. And she's asking me, does he get stuck, Dad? Does he get stuck? And I'm like, I don't know. You got to read. read, And it it was cool her seeing it. And then, you know, when she gets to the end and the situation happens and she's just like, oh, my God, this guy's stuck. And, you know, it was just cool seeing her reaction to that. And now she has to physically see it versus reading it and imagining it in her own head. Yeah, and that was that was kind of going back to that violence and stuff too. That was another thing. I was like, reading it's one thing, but having seen it actually drawn is much more visceral. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I thought I might get some pushback, but I just I didn't. Yeah, well, kudos to Scholastic. Yeah, for, agreed, agreed. Because definitely tried to water it down just a little bit, but they they kind of let me go, and and um, I think I think the book is better for it. So yeah. Um. If and I just have one more question about animorphs and if you can't say so feel free to just say i can't tell you but have they given you uh we're approved for this many or is it issue by issue um the contract is for one through three okay so and then i guess we see what happens after that what happens next i mean like i would really love for the series to get animated into a cartoon because i mean like i'm a fan of animation and whatnot so I just think it's it's very cool when, you know, these stories they either get turned into a graphic novel or they get animated. Yeah. So I don't think it's, it's the far stretch either, Banks. I, not oh, in this, a movie. Not in this day and age. There's yeah, a movie that, in production. Like, right, look how much. Stuff. Yeah, I saw about that. Yeah, so the movie hey, in Chris, production. I just want to say thank you for joining us on today's episode. Yeah, of Hell yeah, Banks. Yeah. Thank you for the invite, guys. I mean, I'd be yeah, happy to come back whenever. Oh, this is awesome, oh, man. Thanks You're a welcome. lot. Hey, don't thank, say that. Thank, <laughs> for, I'm serious. Opening up the message. Dude. That's all, that's all we need you to do. You you open the floodgates, and now you're part of the leveling up with Benjamin Banks family. And before we let you go, tell everybody in social media land where they can find Chris Grind at. Uh, I'm on Twitter, and it's just Chris Grind, uh, no spaces there. And then uh, on Instagram, it's Grindtastic, and that's pretty much the two it. places I'm at. So love it. All right, y'all. You know, I got the outro because I guess I'm so hyped about it. Uh, young Benjamin, young you know, Benjamin. bestowed upon me the outro. So this is two weeks in a row now where he's given up the reins mm-hmm. and uh, let one of us do it. Mm-hmm. So that means uh, we're going to have to renegotiate our contract. Yep, that's right. And uh, get a little bit more of the s- slice of the cake. That's right. Look at it. Hey, like the T.I. song say, you can have whatever you like. Man, oh, man. We don't talk about T.I. no more. Most of the time, most of the time, you know, I always do the outro and everything. And it's just like, you know, it's always nice to, and it's different. You know what I'm saying? To have you guys do it because, you know, people don't expect it. So yeah, we it's like, it. I love the direction that we're going in with not only our podcast, but our YouTube. And I just think it's cool for you guys to, you know, just come in with the outro sometimes. I, okay. I know it can be weird. I, it tra- I know me and Trav, we've been doing this longer and, you know, oh, D, snap. D, you're our Tommy. You know what I'm saying? You came <laughs> <in>. <laughs> So, uh... <laughs>
But uh, but yeah, hey, Chris was a, a great guest, Trav. Thank you again yes, for yeah, sliding in his DMs. Hell of a job. D, D, what is this? This is a uh, redemption. Is three out of two. I mean, three. Right. three he just rolled up. Hey, applause, applause for you, bro. Well, you man, it. I'm just I'm just glad that I can find these people that I'm a fan of. Yeah, man. And reach out to them, and yeah, they're like, yeah, you sure. know, I'll come on. Yeah, I mean, he was and not only that, Trav. But you're helping me and D read more. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like right. we weren't reading to begin with. Ah, dog, cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no. But for real, like I mean, like Chris's catalog. Like I really want to check out Time Shifters and then uh, Camp Whatever. Yeah. Like it just. I really like his art style. When too. we say Camp Whatever. Like that's that's what it really is. It's yeah. it's it's secret. It's camp whatever. So yeah. secrets of camp. Whatever. Uh, I think it's that's stuff. the second book. It's the second book. The first the first no, one is just camp both, whatever. No, they're both called secrets of camp whatever. The second book's called door to nowhere. There we go. Thank you. Door Trent. to Thank nowhere. I like that. that. But but yeah. So dad and then he has his movie coming out. So we're looking forward to having him back on the podcast, especially when the movie comes out. So that way that he can talk about it and we can uh, we can do a review. We can uh, mm-hmm. we probably do a YouTube video yeah man so uh with that being said thank you everybody for listening to this brand new episode d let them know where they can find you at a social media land that's gonna be rebellious double underscore d23 at instagram.com that's right and you know one place to find your boy instagram at zk audio that's right and of course mr benjamin banks where can we find you at good sir you can find me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, at KingBenji underscore Banks. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me on Facebook by typing in Benjamin Banks. I should be the first person to pop up. If not, then I need to contact Mr. Zuckerberg. Make sure that you follow all of the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks social media accounts at Leveling Up Banks. That is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you are feeling generous and would love to donate to us, we have a Patreon. It is at Leveling Up Banks. Thank you to all of our patrons for supporting us and putting something in the podcast pockets because we do have bills to pay. And we do I thought you were going to say the cookie jar. We do appreciate that. Thank you, John. And make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube. Thank you, everybody that's been, uh, you know, supporting us up there. Our YouTube is leveling up with Benjamin Banks. And we are always posting video reviews and the interviews from the episodes that we do on the podcast. They end up being up on YouTube that Friday. So say, for example, if you don't want to listen to us, you can watch us and you can see our beautiful faces and you can see our reactions and whatnot. Or if you just want to listen to us, you can do either or, but we appreciate the support no matter what. And uh, with that being said, thank you again for listening to this week's episode. Uh, Get out there and read a book, pick up a book like Trav does with his daughter, Zoe. He has a read for 30 minutes. I ain't Kylie too. 30 minutes. Both the girls got to read. Kylie got to read too. Kylie got to read too. They all got to read read we all we all got to read Hey, check out because we've had some other uh, authors up here before we've had l'oreal harris check mm-hmm. out her books and uh we had aziza she was up here check out her book so that's right yeah, them all out we'll see you next time have a nice day and uh read a book peace <laughs>